You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Well, good morning, Mission fam. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. I'm so glad. Um, so yeah, uh, this week's been interesting. I was supposed to be on vacation uh, this week, and um, and uh, we were scheduled to have a guest speaker this morning, and a really important um, guy to me personally um, and to our denomination. He's our district superintendent, uh, Dave Gilmore, for the Christian and Missionary Alliance denomination, and uh, he just happens to be uh, my, my mentor and my spiritual father, and and uh, he's just an amazing man, and, and uh, he, he texted me, I think, Thursday while I was on vacation, and I was like, hey, I got, I got the vid, I got the COVID, I got the plague, and so I'm on vacation with a fishing pole in my hand, like, ah, oh, all right, cool, okay, well, let's go then, all right, so we'll figure it out, okay, then, then, then our worship leader, Jess, got it, our children's director got it. And uh, uh, lots of people out of town, um, and so we're operating here on a on a shoestring team this morning. So if things are weird in any way, I, I ask for your grace. Um, but I'm thankful for all the people who moved things around to uh, to make this morning still still happen. So thank you to all of our volunteers and and. Uh, Andy, our sound guy, was scheduled to have this Sunday off, even though he works here most Sundays, and, and he came in on his one Sunday off. Thanks, Andy. Like, I really appreciate that. And, and these folks, remind me of your name, names again. Jennifer and J- oh, Jason. I should have remembered that one. Jennifer and Jason uh, came from Cathedral City, where, where they go to church normally. Dave Gilmore, my, my mentor, used to be the pastor there at Cathedral City. They thought he was going to be here this morning, so they made the trip from Cathedral City, which is out by Palm Springs, and now they're stuck with me. So I apologize. I apologize, but man, we're glad to have you here regardless. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, and, and if you're with us online, thank you for being with us online, too. But um, so I was faced with a dilemma, um, you know, what what to preach, you know, what to do. And I like to start marinating, as I call it, on a message like long before I have to preach it, you know. And so last minute things aren't really my deal. Um, but even if I don't write a word of my message, I've been thinking about it for a long time. And so, um, so I was, uh, we already had tickets to a Dodger game on Friday. So we went to that on the drive home. I, it must've been like 11, 1130 or something like that. I was thinking about that song that, um, that we just played Jesus. We love you. The Lord just laid that song in my heart earlier on in the week. And I was just thinking about that song and, and the pouring it out on the feet of Jesus, our praise, you know, and our worship and our adoration. And, and uh, I, you know, started thinking about the, the passage in the Bible that talks about Mary pouring the perfume on Jesus' feet. And uh, the Lord gave me a thought 
And I was like, okay, there, there might be something there. Um, but I was so tired. I didn't have time to process. You know, we were just driving home. It was so late. We had just screamed our heads off because the Dodgers won on a walk-off. So that was awesome. Go Dodgers. Boo Padres. Um, <laughs> both Jessica, our worship leader, and Scott, our children's director, are huge Padres fans, so that's mostly for them. Um, but um, so anyway, so I was like, okay, there's something there, but I don't, I don't know what yet. And so the next morning, I'm literally making my toast, and the Lord, like, just gave me the message, basically. And so I, like, basically, like, dropped the butter knife and ran into my little, like, office at home, like, that my wife and I share, and just started typing furiously, and uh, so, I don't know, here we go, right, here we go, so, um, my thought really was this, Uh, I want to ask you guys a question first before we get to the main point is, have you ever had something in your heart that you wanted to do for someone else, but like other people thought that it was like nuts, like, like, or maybe you've had someone do something for you that was like just extravagant and you didn't know how to feel about it. Like you were grateful, but you were also like, whoa, I can't believe that just happened. Like anybody ever feel any of those things? Like, um, you know, like uh, we've, we've, we've uh, you know, I, I, I tend to be... Like, I tend to be an extravagant gift giver, so, like, I love to give gifts and stuff, and, and uh, so I, I, I'm definitely into that, but, um, but there's this one story that sticks with me and, and is so meaningful to me, and I just thought I'd share it with you briefly, is that um, we were, my family was at a, we were working at a church in upstate New York, and when I say upstate, I mean like real, real, real upstate, like 30 miles south of Canada and um, like an hour north of Syracuse. And um, it was a little military town called Watertown. And uh, we worked there for six years, met some amazing, amazing people. Uh, we, were, um, we were positioned as I was the host pastor at a, and worship leader at a multi-site campus, specifically oriented to reaching the military community because I'm so military and, um, and, uh, (laughs) right. And, um, and, but it was awesome. Like, I loved it. I met so many good friends. And to this day, like, like Kim and I have friends all over the U S and all over the world. And, and we just love it. You know, we, we loved that community. It was a really, really transient community. So it was kind of hard because like you would make friends with someone and then they would be gone, you know, they'd be like in Afghanistan for a year or whatever. And so we would just do our best to take care of their families while they were gone and like check in on them. And anyways, um, so there was, there was one Christmas where Kim and I had a pre Christmas meeting. Um, and basically it was, you know, there's no money (laughs) for Christmas this year. And, uh, we had had some, a lot of expenses, um, unexpected expenses and, uh, just like, man, what are we going to do? You know? And like, um, our kids were little and it's like Christmas. If you have kids, like Christmas is awesome all the time. I'm a huge fan of Christmas. 
Um, but Christmas is the best when they're, when they're like real little, you know? And, and so I just was like so bummed. Kim was bummed and we were just like, what are we going to do, you know? And so I'm a musician and thankfully before I got married, I bought a whole bunch of musical equipment. And, um, <laughs> and, and so I never, uh, I, I mean, I've bought very few guitars and stuff like that since we've been married, I just sell or trade whatever I had before in my bachelor life. And, and But one of the things that I bought, I, I, like I said, I'm a guitar player, kind of, and um, I can't like shred or anything like that, but but um, I, I, um, I really, really wanted this particular stage piano, and it's from the 70s. It's called a Fender Rhodes, and this is it over here. Um, this right here is it, and uh, it's, um, I don't know if people online can see it or whatever, but, um, but this is uh, from the 70s, and it's a stage piano, and it doesn't sound anything like a real piano. It sounds um, kind of like honky and, and, and weird, not like a white honky. Um, sorry. Um, wait, did I say that? Not like honky-tonk, but like... Wait, I said it. Dang it. I'm going to hear about that later. Um, anyway, so long story short, I wanted one of these. I had the chance to buy one in my bachelor life. I wanted one of these forever. They don't sound, they, they just have a very unique sound, and lots of bands that I really, really like um, use them and stuff like that. And, I, and I'm not even a keyboard player, but I just, I was enamored with the sound of it, and I just wanted one so bad, and I had the opportunity to buy one in my bachelor life, and my friend snuck in there and got it before me. He's no longer my friend. No, I'm just kidding. He still is. Um, um, but so it took me probably 10 or 12 years to be able to find another one when I had the money to buy it, basically. And I finally found it, um, and this was just a couple of years before um, the Christmas that we didn't, we, we, I was telling you about. And, uh, and so, um, so, so that's what it looks like in my office. I keep it in my office all the time. And then, so it's, it's really like kind of strange. James, go to the next picture. Cause it's completely unamplified and it's like actually has almost like piano technology on the inside, but different, there are tines in there and stuff, and so that's what it looks like on the inside. Go ahead and go to the next one. Yeah, so it's really intricate, um, but it makes very little unamplified sound. Um, and then, so this actually, this next picture is what I looked like when I bought this thing. I was a long-haired hippie right here um, in, in, in Woodstock. I thought I was the coolest guy, seriously, I really did. Bedhead and everything, like, okay, take that away. But um, but so I really loved this thing. Like it was a dream come true to have it. I was just learning how to play. And what was kind of cool is I was having these really intimate worship times with the Lord where I would just be playing these like simple broken chords and singing. And because my skill was so limited, it just like, I don't know how else to explain it. It, it, it just like took me to a really vulnerable place with the Lord because my skill was so limited in it and I just like couldn't uh, think about it too much. Like I just had 
to let it go and just, you know, praise and, and sing, sing praises to the Lord and stuff. And so long story long, um, <laughs> uh, this, so I, I end up, you know, two years later, this is the only piece of gear that I had that made sense to sell for Christmas. And so I put it, I put it up for sale and just kind of put a shout out and said, hey, I'm letting go of my beloved Fender Rhodes, you know, like um, if anybody wants to buy it, let me know. And um, maybe like a week later, I got a message from a lady who was really special to us. She was from within the church, and she had three kids, and one of them was a musician. And uh, she said, I want to I buy it. And I was like, okay, um, sounds good. Like, let's meet up, and I'll show you everything and stuff. And so we met up, and, and I showed her how to break it down, and I, like, you know, um, like showed her all the intricacies about it and everything, and 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 uh, and she's. I was like, Zach is gonna love this. You know, he's gonna. It's just gonna be so cool. And she said, Well, actually, you know, I'm. Just, I, I just. I'm. I'm. I'm buying it for you. And uh, I. I get, sorry, I get a little emotional when I talk about it because I, I had no clue that that's what her intention was. And, um, and it was kind of, I mean, this is a rare piece of equipment, so it was kind of expensive, like the price that tag I had on it. And I was just like, no, I can't, I can't accept this. And, and she said, well, I insist. It's my, it's my gift. It's my gift to you. And I just was so deeply moved. Um, I was just completely blown away. And this gift that she gave me just seemed so extravagant and the care that she made me feel and made me feel for my family and the thoughtfulness that it showed me and my family, I will just never forget. Like, that was just such a hard time for us, and, and she really just met us in that time. And she didn't care what people thought. Like, she, she didn't want anybody to know. She didn't, you know, like... She kept it quiet, and she really didn't, she, it really wasn't any big deal to her. Like, she just wanted to do it. She had it in her heart to do it, and she did it, you know. Even though it was a little extravagant, even though it was a little over the top, I, she didn't care what people thought. And I believe the love that she showed on that day was a pure offering to the Lord and an immense blessing to our family, right? And, 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 and we had an amazing Christmas this year. And Christmas isn't just about gifts and stuff, you know, like that. But, but for us, that just like the, the, the care and love that she showed us through that gift was better than any kind of physical gift anybody could have ever given us. And so it was just... It was amazing, and we had a great Christmas, but last week, um, if you were here during our family-style service, I talked a little bit about the story of Lazarus and, and how Lazarus' sisters uh, came to tell Jesus that their brother, his close friend, was very, very sick, right? And, uh, and all Jesus said in response was something very plain and very simple. He said, this sickness does not end in death. It doesn't end in death. And Jesus was right. Lazarus did die before Jesus arrived, 
But that wasn't the end of the story, right? It wasn't the, the death wasn't the end. It didn't end in death. After weeping over the death of his friend, Jesus called forth Lazarus out of the grave, and miraculously he came. And because of Lazarus's friendship with Jesus, death was not the end. It was just an event that he had to go through. It was just an event, right? It wasn't the end. And after Lazarus's resurrection, News about Jesus spread like wildfire, and many Jewish people began to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so many people began to believe that, in fact, the Jewish religious leaders of the time started to plan how to kill Jesus, right? And uh, later, Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, are having a party in Jesus's honor, and uh, one of the sisters gives Jesus a very extravagant gift, a very extravagant offering. And so would you turn in your Bibles or your iDevices or whatever um, to John 12, verse 1. I'm going to be reading for, from the NIV. John 12, verse 1. If you don't have any, any, uh, any devices or Bibles, it'll be on the screen here. Um, so John 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped it, wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. All right, let's stop right there. So Jesus is with Lazarus reclining at the table. They're, 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 um, they're at a party in Jesus' honor. And, and reclining at the table, they used to have like these low tables with kind of couches around them. And that's like... Um, that's, it's not like a lazy boy or anything. They're just kind of like, you know, uh, reclining a little bit on the couch and snacking, you know, and, and all kinds of people are around. And out of nowhere, which is very unusual, Mary pours out this pint of wildly expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. And the NIV is actually a little lacking here in the translation. The word pint should actually read a pound, 
right? A pound, meaning weight. And a Roman pound was about 11 and a half ounces, right? So think about your 12-ounce coffee cup, right? Filled with Chanel Number no. 5 or whatever the most expensive perfume is you can think of. I, I'm not up on perfumes. Is Chanel Number, is she on like 12 now? I don't know. Uh, I just know five. Um, but whatever the, whatever the expensive perfume is, you know, think about how when, you know, you, la- you know how you lady like, dab it on their, on their rip. Do you, is that how you do it? Or, yeah, okay, so, so think, think, think about a 12 ounce, you're, you know, you're like your Starbucks cup, right? Like think about a full of perfume, right? And uh, she, she kind of comes up upon Jesus and, and, and just pours this pound of wildly expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, right? Nard was, Nard, uh, Chanel numbered Nard, maybe. Maybe that's the name of it. I don't know. But Nard was imported from northern India and was painstakingly, like, the process was crazy, painstakingly extracted from plants, right? And, And so this was incredibly rare, incredibly expensive perfume, and she pours it out on Jesus' feet. And then, something even stranger, she dried Jesus' feet with her hair. What is the significance of that, right? Why would she do that? It's a good thing Ricardo doesn't try to do that. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Um, uh, what, like, what is the significance of that? This, this is a deeply moving sign of devotion to Jesus, right? In, in this culture, a woman's long hair was, con- was considered her glory. A woman's long hair in, in this culture was considered her glory. So literally here, Mary is taking her own glory and using it to anoint Jesus' feet. So we got the, the wildly expensive, huge amount of perfume, and Mary takes what, it, what is her glory, and she dries Jesus' feet with it. What a beautiful sign of, of devotion. And I think my favorite part of this passage is actually that the whole house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Like when Mary did this, the whole house knew, right? It wasn't like something she was trying to keep a secret. She did it and the whole house knew, right? What an incredibly beautiful offering. I love that. It's so uh, unique and extravagant. And just like she had it in her heart to do it, and she did it, right? But after she did it, there's Judas in verse 4. Let's, let's just reread this little section. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who is later to, to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? 
It, wasn't, it, it was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And, and, and that's right. I, I, think, I think this phrase gets it right. Judas was a thief. He, right here, he, the, Mary did this beautiful, beautiful offering to Jesus. And, and, and she had it in her heart to do, and she did it. And Judas is trying to uh, steal it away from her, right? Judas is trying to steal and, and change the, the narrative from what an amazing offering to, well, why did you do that? What a waste. What a waste, right? And don't people do that to us all the time? Maybe we don't even get to do the offering, Maybe we don't even get to, maybe we're just thinking about it and talking about it and somebody's like, somebody comes in and is just a thief of, your, of, of the purity of your offering that, that's in your heart to do, right? And, and they come in and they say, why would you do that? It, isn't that irresponsible? Like, isn't like... Don't you have anything else that you would rather do, right? Like, why do they really deserve that, right? Like, somebody, is, people will, will always come in, especially, you know, more and more and more, we live in, in a culture where people who are actually following Jesus, like people who are actually uh, trying to do what Jesus asked us to do and not living a, you know, uh, a narrative or uh, of nationalism or any kind of stuff like that. Like, people who are actually trying to emulate and follow Jesus, the world just doesn't understand, right? And, like, more and more and more people just they don't like they don't get it you know and god can put something in your heart to do and he may not even tell you the purpose of it you know like mary didn't know the purpose of this perfume you know until jesus told her later god put it in her heart to do and she did it right but judas came along and tried to steal her pure offering the purity of her offering by changing the narrative. Don't let anyone change the narrative on something that God puts on your heart. You hear me? Don't let anybody steal the purity of your offering by trying to change the narrative. If God put it in your heart to do, you follow through. It's, 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 it's clear right here. Judas didn't care about the poor. You know, he, he didn't care. He was a thief in this moment. And Jesus comes in and says, leave her alone. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. 
You will always have the poor among you. You will not always have me. There's another time in the Bible where where, uh, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and, uh, and her sister Martha comes in and, and is like, Jesus, will you please tell this, this woman, my sister, to come help me in the kitchen? Like, will you please come, will you please tell her to, to get up and get to work? Like, there's things to do, right? Martha was, was busy working for Jesus when Mary was busy being with Jesus. And I think there's a place for both, you know? I think there is. But, what is, but Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Sometimes we get so caught up in working for Jesus and doing things for Jesus, we forget to just be with Jesus. Sometimes working for Jesus is the thief of being with Jesus. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Mary's, again, just at Jesus' feet, soaking up every moment with him, learning whatever she can from him. And, and Jesus is like, right on. This, this, this is it, right? This is it. And I know, I'm, I know that I'm guilty sometimes of, of being the Martha. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. But I, 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 sometimes I come into this place, this building, and all I can see are the bazillion things that need to be done. Right? I don't know if you feel that way about your home or maybe your work or whatever. But, like, but sometimes... Like, I can get so caught up in working for Jesus that I forget to be with Jesus. And the working for is the thief of the being. So why is all this so important? I want to ask you guys something. And I want you to really consider it is, is uh, what kind of offering are you bringing to the Lord? What kind of offering are you bringing to the Lord? I'm not, and I'm not just, like, I'm not just talking about finances. I know we use that word offering for finances, but offering is so much more than just finances, What kind of offering are you bringing to the Lord? Is it, a, is it a comfortable offering? What about this? What kind of offering are you giving to God through others? What kind of offering are you giving to God through others. 
because there's a, there's a passage in the New Testament, in Matthew 25, where I'm just going to read a piece of it. I have a much longer piece of scripture, but uh, Jesus is giving an analogy about a king, and the king says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those who left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So what kind of offering are you giving God through others? What do you do for the least of these? You do What you do for the least of these, you do for me. It's not about how big the offering is. It's, it's more important about how meaningful it is to you and does it honor the Lord. The most meaningful offering to God is the daily act of giving your life over to him. And I mean daily. Some days for me, it's like hour by hour, right? Giving more and more of my life over so that more and more of the spirit of the living God can live in and through me, right? This is an offering that the world will never understand. And around every corner, there will be someone trying to rob you of the joy of this offering. Just like Judas. The desire to give God offerings shouldn't come from thinking that God needs it, right? God doesn't need anything from us. He's been God a long time, a very long time. He's been God, to quote one of my favorite songs, he's been God a long time. And he is completely self-sufficient. But God wants something for us. He doesn't need anything from us, but he wants something for us. A deeper, more true understanding that he is a loving father to his children. And that like a loving father, he will provide for us all that we need. A true offering comes from a deep desire to give back to God what, is, what he has already given to us because he is worthy. And again, 
I'm not, I'm not just talking about finances. One of the biggest things that we can give to God daily is our life. Just laying our life down and saying, Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, come help, help me make this decision. Help me figure out how to parent this child Holy Spirit, I need your help. This person at work is driving me crazy. Give me grace. I need the grace for this person so that I don't erase them. Right? That was a joke. (laughs) The daily laying down our lives is one of the greatest, most extravagant offerings that we can give. But we are called to also take care of those around us. And we can give others, we can give God offerings by giving to others, just like that lady did for my family in upstate New York. I feel like God was truly honored by that lady's gift, right? Her heart, God put it in her heart to do it, and she was obedient. She did it, right? We can give God offerings by giving to others, right? And when God puts something in your heart, no matter what the Judas in your life says, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a Martha, no matter what anyone says, When God puts something in your heart to do, you follow through. You follow through. So my question as the band comes right now is what kind of offering are you giving to the Lord? Is it an offering that's meaningful to you? Is it an offering that comes from your heart? Or is it an offering that comes from a checklist? I want you to just close your eyes and think about the people in your life. The people that maybe you come in contact with I want you to just begin to open up your heart to how God could bless those people through you. Jesus said, when you do, when you do this for the least of these, you do it to me. How can we bless those in our life? How can we bless God by blessing those in our life? What resources do we have that could be a blessing? What is our perfume and the picture of Mary's hair, her glory? What is, what is our perfume and what is our glory that we can give back to God?
You never know what purpose God has for something that he places into your heart. But it's so important to just be obedient and not let the purity of your offering be stolen. Jesus said to Mary, it was intended that she use this perfume to anoint me for my death. Which was not that far away. You never know. So Father God, we come before you and Lord, we ask you Lord, to reveal to us the purity of the offering that we can bring. The pure offering. The offering that is meaningful to us. We ask you to reveal those in our lives, in our lives that we could honor you by blessing them. Father, Lord, give us clarity, Lord, and don't let anyone give us the boldness and the determinedness and, and Lord, let us be obedient to not let the purity of our offering get stolen. We all have those people in our lives. Lord, we ask you to strengthen us and encourage us and lead us not into temptation, but into obedience, Father. We love you, God. You are so worthy. You're so worthy. We love you. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.